is a podcast about Jeopardy. Hello and welcome to Potent Potables, your weekly Jeopardy podcast where two former competitors bring you recaps and analysis of the week's Jeopardy episodes, a deep dive into a topic inspired by one of those episodes, and a quiz. I'm Kyle. And I'm Emily. And this is the week of April 24th through 28th, 2023. This week also there were there were five Jeopardy games. Yeah. <laughs> like there often are. And uh, I figure we'll probably talk about all of them but how are you doing today kyle uh i'm okay I'm okay <laughs> there's a there's a whole saga that i'm not gonna bore anybody with going on like in my house right now so that's fine rest of the things are fine my older daughter has her first piano recital on sunday oh, and we are very excited about that's that. so exciting so it will be very cute congratulations how are you doing? i am i am surviving we thought we had uh, there there was there is strep throat and there is stomach virus in my family right now i think we're i think we're i think that we have reached the low point and that we're you know moving in the right direction now but there was some there was some uncertainty about whether there was in fact stomach virus or whether people were just having weird presentations of strep throat which can happen and then the one who was the first to get strep throat who had been on antibiotics for almost a week started having stomach virus symptoms so yeah it's really fun to be to be a parent in this situation it's Mm -hmm. great it's great yeah stomach viruses stink i am not a fan but hey you know other than that i'm doing okay legend of zelda breath of the wild is coming along nicely oh good (laughs) it's the only thing that i think about besides jeopardy right now (laughs) yeah so so yeah that's that's my life Stomach virus and strep throat and Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Should we talk about Jeopardy? I suppose. Yeah. Monday, April 24th. The contestants are Dylan Hupp, a development director from North Little Rock, Arkansas. And Nay Tussaud, an editor from Alameda, California. And Emma Hill Capron, a librarian from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, whose two-day cash winnings total 26,000. And the Jeopardy categories are African geography, synonyms and antonyms, non-video games, American lit, that's an animal sound, and Beatles songs with S in quotation marks. We had a triple stumper at the $1,000 level of non-video games. This is one of my favorite board games. Mm. The clue is, in using your 40-piece army, a good good plan in this game is to save your miners for the endgame. That's Stratego. Mm-hmm. I like Stratego. Played a lot of Stratego as a kid. Yeah, I am new to Stratego. I played mm. my first game of Stratego a few weeks ago, oh. and I got trounced by a nine-year-old who yeah. had played a lot of Stratego. It was my first game, so... Sure, that's totally understandable, yeah. But you want to keep your miners, at least one miner for the end game, because okay. if your opponent has surrounded their flag with bombs, a miner is the only one that can take out a bomb. Mm-hmm. So there, it's so okay. Thinking ahead, strategy there. Good to know. Yeah, I need to. I need to up my stratego skills. <laughs> yeah, you really do. I mean, it's super important. I mean, I'm just, ki- I'm just kidding. 
everything that makes my nine year old think that he is he is much 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 smarter than me. I, I, I makes me makes me think I should work on that. I should work on that. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. It's always good to humble, humble your children. Like I want him to be proud, but like you know, he <laughs> he comes by it natural. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. <laughs> yeah, mine do too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what Mark Twain novel is Puddinghead Wilson from? Do you know? I don't know. I, I have don't. no idea. I no. probably don't know what Mark Twain as well as I should. I don't know the last Mark Twain book I read. I think it was in school. Puddinghead Wilson is its own novel. It is a Puddinghead Wilson is the title of the novel. Hmm. And this was at the six hundred dollar level of American Lit. That and, seems like a pretty deep cut for. And Dylan got it, but it just feels like a deep cut to me. Yeah. I mean, everything seems like a deep cut when you don't know it. Sure. But. <laughs> But but if, you know, in the Jeopardy round, if you're asking about Mark Twain, you're probably asking about Huck Finn. Yeah, maybe Tom Sawyer, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. Puddinghead Wilson is is kind of the B-list, I would think. Yeah. The fact that I I don't know it at all. Right. (laughs) Of course, we we just talked about hubris with your nine-year-old. Right, exactly. (laughs) Well, Dylan Dylan knew it. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's knowable. Yeah. God, and just below that, there was Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> I have made my opinion very clear on that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I don't need to do it again. Daily Double number one is in synonyms and antonyms. Every time I see the word antonym, I feel like that can't be how it's spelled. Huh. But obviously it is. I don't know. It always looks wrong to me. Anyway, it's at the $800 level. Pick number 25, pretty late in the round. Dylan finds it. Dylan has pretty much controlled this game so far. He's at 5,200. Emma's at 200. Anae is at 1,400. And he wagers only 1,200. He gets a clue. Soldier of Fortune and Venal are both synonyms for this word. And he gets it correct with what is mercenary. So at the end of the Jeopardy round... Dylan is up to 7,400. Emma's at 1,800 and is at 1,200. And the double Jeopardy categories are Greek history. Why is the only vowel? The United Nations. Wherefore art thou? Local boy and made good. Wherefore art thou was an art category. Indeed. I wasn't really sure what to expect. There's a, there's a comma in there. But I, I wasn't sure what to expect from that category, but it was it was art. Mm-hmm. Emma made quite a comeback here. Mm-hmm. Dylan was just steadily, steadily increasing uh, his lead until Emma really jumped up. And yeah. Kind of took control in the middle of the round. Yeah. Very impressive game from Emma. Yeah. We got everyone's favorite Scrabble word in the $2,000 level. Oh, Why yeah. Why is the only vowel in this odd word for an alignment of three heavenly bodies? That's syzygy. That's why Z-Y-G-Y. Yeah. I was trying to teach my kids that word recently. They were not impressed. Yeah. I don't know what it is with kids these days and not caring mm-hmm. about syzygy. You know? <laughs> when you put it that way, I think I understood why they were not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do a deep dive on Greek Isles. I did do a deep dive on Greek islands. Islands. 
Yes, the Ionian Islands were mentioned there mm-hmm. in that deep dive. Yeah, sixteen hundred dollar sixteen hundred dollar level of Greek history in eighteen sixty four. Britain ceded to the Greeks these islands off Greece's west coast that bespangled the sea of the same name. Nobody tried it. It's the Ionian Islands. Yes, you can find my yeah. Greek island deep dive somewhere in the back catalog. Mm-hmm. I talked about Crete. I talked about other islands. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I Naxos maybe yes Lesbos I think I, yes I, yes I, you definitely did talk about Lesbos definitely talked about yeah <laughs> yes so yeah <laughs> yeah there's a Greek island one there you can that's it. there that's there daily double number two is in wherefore art thou at the $1,200 level, and Emma finds it at pick number 12. She's at 3400 at this point, with NA at 1600 and Dylan at 9800 She wagers 2000 and she gets the clue. The installation of 7,503 7, gates, each 16 feet tall, and financed by Christo and Jean-Claude for this New York City area, was completed in 2005. And she gets it correct at Central Park. I think that misinformation the trivia podcast did a Christo and Jean-Claude episode I think so yeah which I enjoyed and learned a lot from so you know go check them out if you're not listening to them once you've listened to our whole back catalog then go Mm -hmm. you know check out misinformation Mm -hmm. and daily double number three is in made good at the $1,600 level pick number 23 Emma finds this one too so that first daily double really kickstarts her and by now she is up to 12,600 which is tied with Dylan mm-hmm. and they is at 1600 she wagers 2,500 and gets the clue you've won big playing this game at the casino now it's time to buy one of the same named crystal makers chandeliers and she gets it correct with what is Baccarat mm-hmm. the game of choice for old James Bond not new <laughs> James Bond. Yeah. So at the end of the double Jeopardy round, Emma is in a slim lead with 14,700. Dylan's at 14,200. And A is at 3,200. The final Jeopardy category is U.S. Geography. And the clue is Interstate 25 connects these two state capitals, first and second in elevation. And in between runs through number three, Denver. A st- that's tricky. I, I found I found that tricky. I didn't. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, on a 25 multiple times a week. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even with highways that I am on often, if you're like, what other states does it run through and does it run through the capitals of those states and what is the elevation of those capitals? <laughs> Like, I'm not sure how well I would do with that kind of question. Sure, but you know? on the East Coast, you're going through like 14 states. That Oh, that's true. Okay, all right. Out here, right. It's, it's New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, and Montana from okay. Mexico to Canada. Okay. So. Yeah, all right. That that does make, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because 25 everyone would run north-south. Mm-hmm. 95's our counterpart. Yeah. No, 95 goes through a lot of states. Okay, cool. Yes. That's a that's a that's helpful. <laughs> I was like, I could not I could not answer that question about about 95. So yikes. Anyway, one of the contestants managed to get it right. So, you know, nice work. So we go to an A first. She tried what are what Albany Boston? That is incorrect on both counts. Memorizing all the rules of like how the interstate numbering systems 
numbering system works is a little annoying, but the odd ones run north south, right? Odd numbers run odd numbers run north south and even numbers run east west. So 95 is over on the on, on my coast and 5 I guess, right, is over on the on the west coast. So like Albany and Boston should you, you if you if you happen to know those rules, you'll know Albany and, and Boston don't fit. But if not, you know, you don't. So NA NA oh and NA is with us from Canada also. Mm, so, yeah, so it makes um, sense. Yeah. She's wagered all but a dollar, so she drops down to a buck. We go to Dylan next. He got it correct with what are Cheyenne and Santa Fe. And he wagered 7,799. Okay. So he is thinking about if he misses, he'll drop down to 6401, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he's staying above an A with the assumption that Emma will wager big, make a cover bet. So he needs Emma to miss, and then he'll stay above both Emma and an A. But he gets it correct, so he goes up to 21,999. Emma misses with what is Cheyenne and Salt Lake City. She doesn't quite finish writing Salt Lake City, but we know that's not correct anyway. She did not make a cover bet. She wagered 7,000. So even if she'd gotten it correct, she would land a little below Dylan. But she misses, so she drops down to 7,700, and Dylan wins the game. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, was it was it Friday that Emma made a non-optimal? Non-cover bet, yeah. Yeah, and, and won anyway. So, yeah, I think... I think I think Emma maybe maybe is not familiar with all of the strategy around that. Potentially, um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Even if she had been in this case, an, an optimal bet would have been bigger and she missed. So, you right. know, yeah. I, th- it does not change the outcome of the game in this case. So that yeah. brings us to Tuesday. One of the contestants, Johanna Stoberock, a fiction writer and adjunct professor from Walla Walla, Washington. Ian Marquand, a retired broadcaster and state medical board executive from Los Angeles, California, and Dylan Hub, a development director from North Little Rock, Arkansas, whose one-day cash winnings total $21,999. And we have the Jeopardy round categories, the centaur of attention, state nicknames, the no S plural of, reading music, sharps and flats, and bar lines. And none of this was actually like none of this was really about music. The reading right. music was like auto, or like biographies about musicians, mm-hmm. which is fine. And then the others were just sharp or flat. And bar mm-hmm. lines was <laughs> that first clue in bar lines was absurd. They had they, <laughs> piped, they had you know, like background noise from a bar as Ken read the clue, and so it was just like it was a potent potables category, but in a mm-hmm. way that as though you were talking to a bartender like my good fellow kindly prepare me a fuzzy navel made with orange <laughs> juice and the peach flavor of this distilled liquor dylan mm-hmm. got it that schnapps yeah dylan ran that category mm-hmm. i don't know that he got applause for it i don't think he did yeah oh yeah and all in order too mm-hmm. yeah it wasn't yeah. even it wasn't even a like weird top one. to it bottom was, yeah. yeah okay the no s plural of do you know where I'm heading with this? Maybe. Okay, the $600 level. Okay. The clue is formula. And Johanna rings in. And I think she said, what is formulae? Mm-hmm. Which is a valid pronunciation. But so is formulae. And so is formulae. Depending on 
what conventions you're following and like who taught you. Mm. So they're good. They're looking for form formula, you know, for, formula with an E on the end. Mm-hmm. How do you differentiate that from the possible wrong answers? Right. I mean, assuming that the possible wrong answers are like formula with an I on the end or yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, what are the like? Well, I think if if there are multiple acceptable ones, then you just take all mm-hmm. of them, right? But like, formula. If the neg bait here is formula with an I on the end, the like formulae, yeah, formulae or f- people will pronounce that formulae or formulae, but those are both valid pronunciations for the AE ending. Then I think you just have to take. Yeah, it. I think you just have to take any. I, I mean, as long as the person doesn't say like formulatrix or like right. For, I don't know formulacrum. Yeah, yeah. I just I have a feeling that if somebody had rung in and said formulae, which is a valid pronunciation, mm-hmm. they would have assumed that they meant formula with an I on the end. And I, I don't know. know. I can't. I, I can't get mad at the judges for a call they never made. Right. But I suspect. <laughs> I suspect that they would have. I, I would have rejected that one. The main place where this pronunciation thing comes up in people's lives is the question of how do you pronounce alumni, alumni with an I, or alumni with an AE. And I pronounce them alumni and alumni. Alumni is male. Alumni is female. But most people pronounce it. I think alumni. If it's nigh on the end, right, and alumnae, yeah, for an AE, it's it's just it's different conventions. So yeah. Anyway, Johanna went with the I think what is the safe option, which is to say formulae. There are so many correct pronunciations for that that I I got I got stressed out about that one. Yeah, I could tell. Yeah, nobody knew the thousand dollar level of that category. Opus. Johanna tried what is opi. It's opera. 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 Yeah. Daily Double number one is in reading music at the $800 level. It's pick number nine and Ian finds it. He's at 600 with Dylan at 1200 and Johanna at 2400. He wagers a thousand and gets the clue. Chapters in Dancing with Myself by this ever sneering singer include drunken, stupid, and naked. And he gets it correct. It's Billy Idol. A big blind spot for me there. Sure. And at the end of the Jeopardy round, Dylan's in the lead with 7,000, Ian's at 2,400, Johanna is at 5,000, and the double Jeopardy categories are Statesmen and Women, 11-letter words, Downtown Abbey, Writers, Born and Died, Separation, and Let's See a Movie, with V in quotation marks. Yep, we got a really bad Valley Girl impression from Ken. <laughs> it was, it was, yes, he really he committed. yeah. He, he, he knew it was bad, though, so that, mm-hmm. that was helpful. Yeah. The $2,000 level of Downtown Abbey was a, a triple stumper. Our Lady of Dallas Abbey is Cistercian, not this offshoot, so don't go expecting beer. Now, if they had mentioned jam, jam I probably <laughs> would have been clued into the Trappists, but that uh-huh. did not uh-huh. get me there. And they said Trappists, and I was like, wait, didn't we talk about them, but not, I don't think yeah. it was beer, it was jam. Yeah. Yeah. So the Trappists near me make jam. I think that Trappists like as an like organization, order. like yeah. as an order, like they part of their, hard. yeah, well, no, like part of their thing is like sustaining their abbeys by like, you know, 
producing mm-hmm. like food and beverage type goods, I sure. think. Right. Like, so I think, you know, we have the, we have the jam in my area, but I think it, I, I knew somewhere in my brain that Trappists are known for their beer also. Okay. Presumably they drink it. I think they drink it, but like, Would but I think it's like to make um, an Abbey ale. Yes, I think hmm. so. I think so. Hmm. If that's the case, then I'm a fan of the Trappists. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Googling Abbey Ale Trappist. And yes. Yeah. I think, I think the short answer is yes. Awesome. The $1,200 clue of 11 letter, letter words was a triple stumper. And I think rightly so that showed a picture of a conductor in front of a group of singers, I guess. And it said musical mentor seen in the foreground. They were going for choir master. I, I don't know anybody who uses that term anymore. Yeah, no. That's a very old term. And I think mm-hmm. we have all moved pretty far away from that one. Yeah. I I mean, good on them for all figuring out that conductor doesn't have the right number of letters, right? right. But yeah, I, I was like, well, it's not conductor. What are they talking about? And that's, I think, as far as anybody got. Right. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Daily Double number two is in Statesmen and Women. At the $1,200 level, it's pick three, and Dylan uncovers it. He's at 6,600. Ian's at 1,600. Joanna's at 5,000. He wagers 1,600. Gets the clue, Emmanuel Macron is the eighth president of France's fifth republic. This general and statesman was the first in 1959, and he gets it correct with who is Charles de Gaulle. Mm-hmm. And daily double number three is at the $1,600 level of Downtown Abbey. And Johanna finds this one. She wagers 3,000 of her 12,600. She's in the lead with Dylan at 9,000 and Ian at 8,800. And if she misses, she'll still be in the lead. She gets the clue. St. Mary's Abbey in this city is right across the River Liffey from the Temple Bar neighborhood. And she gets it correct. It is Dublin. Yes. Yeah. I finally Um, remembered where Liffey is. Liffy, I sort of knew Temple Bar, I remembered. There's a couple good clues in there if you if you know some Dublin geography, but you know, I think it's a good good for sixteen hundred dollar level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at the end of the double jeopardy round, these are very good scores. Dylan is at ten thousand six hundred, Ian's at eleven thousand six hundred, and Johanna's at fifteen thousand six hundred. And the final Jeopardy category is TV history. And the clue, the 1980s Magnum P.I. used a soundstage of this long-running drama that had just ended and even referred to its lead character. Um, this is a triple stumper. I didn't get there. I've watched the entirety of Magnum P.I. And that that reference to like referring to another show's lead character was not helpful at all. Mm-hmm. Dylan wrote, what is M.A.S.H.? Not a bad guess for like recently ended show, I guess, and bet everything. So he drops to zero. Ian wrote, what is Mannix? Not something that Ken had thought about in a while, I guess. Wagered 11,000. So he drops to 600. Johanna also wrote, what is MASH? And had made a cover bet. So she drops to 6,999 and ends up winning. The correct response is Hawaii Five O, which makes sense because they're both set in Hawaii. But I kept trying to get there from like referring to its lead character. I was like Mm -hmm. going through characters of Magnum PI and I was like, none of these are pointing me to another show. And then it's, and then Ken was like, yeah. And sometimes they mentioned the detective from Hawaii Five-O and I'm like, oh, well that it like (laughs) it was mentioned in a couple of lines. That's not, I I don't know. That threw me off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, I was mystified by this one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
And on Wednesday, the contestants are Jesse Matheny, a customer success implementation manager, originally from Huntington, Indiana. Liz Everhart, a subrogation analyst and science teacher from Louisville, Kentucky. And Johanna Stoberock, fiction writer and adjunct professor from Walla Walla, Washington, whose one-day cash winnings total 6999 And the Jeopardy round categories are Rihanna, Historical Potpourri, Confidence, Britlet, Top to Bottom, and A Nation of Vodka Brands. They provide the vodka brand. You say what Red country it's from. Yeah, listed very well in the Rihanna category. She actually yes. got all of them correct. It was split up, so it wasn't really a run. But mm-hmm. Yeah, Ken sort of made note of it at toward yeah. the end. He, he also like expressed some like, I mean, I don't know. He has to vary his responses. But the $600 level, Rihanna's last name, it's on the beauty line that helped make her a billionaire. That's Fenty. Liz got all the Rihanna responses. Mm-hmm. So she got she got that one as well. Ken's like, yeah, that is Rihanna's last name. And like, maybe Liz just knows Rihanna's last name. But like, Fenty Beauty is like, you know, it's around. If you're somebody who mm-hmm. shops for makeup, you've seen that name, you know? So... I feel like it's not it's not this like very obscure thing if that's part of your lift experience. For sure. Yeah. We got Ken to say nether regions. <laughs> the eight hundred dollar yeah. top to bottom. This word meaning situated beneath the earth's surface also precedes regions about more, shall we say, sensitive body areas. Jesse got it correct. Said nether. Ken mm-hmm. said, Yeah, your nether regions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's really, really playing out there. Alex Trebek would never. Would never. Are you kidding? Alex <laughs> respected the show. <laughs> Ken's appealing yeah, to this Ken. younger, hipper audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, Alex had a certain, like, set, like, he had his own particular, you know, take on sort of what, what the dignity of the role needed to be. Mm-hmm. And Ken's got, Ken's got a little bit. He's the, he's the bad boy of Jeopardy. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I mean, you know, going all the way back to 2003 and what's a hoe. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Uh-huh. That guy. Double number one is in historical potpourri, which most potpourri is. Mm. At the $1,000 level, pick number eight, Jesse uncovers it. He's at 1200 John is at zero. Liz is at 400 And he bets it all. And gets a clue. He peaked in power as Lord Privy Seal in 1536, fell from power, was executed, and had his reputation revived by the late Hilary Mantel. He has no idea, he guesses, who is Marco Polo, but that is Thomas Cromwell, which Liz mouthed as Ken did. Mm. Yeah, another another British Thomas that I don't know enough about. Yep. Yep. But hey, you know, we're. I remembered your Thomas Beckett. Mm-hmm. deep dive and that helped me to rule out thomas beckett <laughs> exactly i was like i know it's not thomas beckett mm-hmm. pretty sure it's not thomas Moore. yep mm-hmm. but yeah anyway so at the end of the jeopardy round joanna is at four thousand. liz is at 3600 jesse's at 4200 and the double jeopardy categories are the new capital four syllable words whistleblowers comedians ungulates and the parent company mm-hmm I've got to say, I mean, I think the boards are normally pretty well balanced, but the putting the parent company and whistleblowers both on the same board, I feel like put a ton of like kind of business mm. trivia mm-hmm. 
on this particular board. Yeah, I could see that. And if that's something you're good at, then great. And if not, like this is this is not a good board. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. this is this is a board for people who like to read the Wall Street Journal or The Economist or something. Great. Right? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's the same learned league category, right? Sure. Like if that's yeah, yeah. if that's your wheelhouse, great, because you've got two categories that work really well for you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the writers missed an opportunity, purposely did not include it, or maybe it's the sixth category or the sixth clue that didn't get used in the ungulates category to include the muskox. Mm, yeah. Although actually, is it an ungulate now that I think about oh. it? Oh. Hmm. Mm. Yes. Muskoxen are even-toed ungulates. ungulates. You would think I would know this based on my A is for muskox (laughs) book that Mm. I used to read a lot with my kids. A is for muskox is a great book, by the way, but that did not come. I can't remember what U was for. A is for muskox has, you know, a zebra starting to write a traditional alphabet alphabet when he's interrupted by a muskox who adapts the entire alphabet to be (laughs) muskox themed. (laughs) Nice. And so, so you get some like legit muskox trivia and just and some, you know, just like, you know, bees for muskox because muskoxen are beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a it's a fun book. Yeah. But yes, they are ungulates. Maybe maybe it's because we shouted out Alex Trebek at the four hundred dollar level of comedians. Alex Trebek was a fan of this comedian who got no respect and liked hearing about his physician, Dr. Vinny Bumbats. Jesse got that one. It's Dangerfield. Mm-hmm. Rodney Dangerfield. Rod- Rodney right? Dangerfield, yeah. I, I was I was pretty confident, but like, you know, like you just you just don't say sometimes. the first name unless yeah. you need to. But as a podcast, we probably do need to say first names sometimes. Meh. Yeah. I feel like we missed an we missed an opportunity. But you know, if it's if it's always there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Every time if I mean if they if they bring it up every time they have a category about ungulates. Yeah. <laughs> it happens a lot, apparently. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> Daily Double number two is in the new capital at the sixteen hundred dollar level. Jesse finds it at pick number two. He's at fifty four hundred with Johanna at four thousand and Liz at thirty six hundred, and he wagers three thousand and he gets the clue. In nineteen twenty three, Kamal Ataturk helped make this city home to the anti Ottoman resistance movement, the new capital. He tries what is Istanbul, and then as soon as Ken says no, he mouths or like like says under his breath the correct answer: mm-hmm. Ankara. Mm-hmm. And daily double number three is in the four syllable words category at the. $1,600 level. It's pick number 21. Liz finds it. She's at $7,600. Joanna's at $9,200. Jesse is at $6,800. She wagers $3,000. Gets a clue. In Zen Buddhism, Satori is attainment of this, also an intellectual awakening of the 18th century. And she gets it correct with what is enlightenment. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the double Jeopardy round, the scores are super close. Johanna's in the lead with 12000 Liz is at 11,000. Jesse's at 10,800. The final Jeopardy category is Hollywood history. And the clue is last name of three men who missed the 1927 premiere of the jazz singer because a fourth of that name had died hours before. And I was perplexed about this one too, but at least when I saw the, when I saw the correct response, I was like, Oh, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. So Jesse tried. What is Marx thinking of the Marx brothers? I get that 
thinking does the does the year line up? Maybe not quite. Maybe maybe yes. Maybe I, no, I mean, maybe. coming from the silent era, I guess. Yeah, and he's wagered eighty two hundred. I'm not sure what he's thinking specifically with this wager, but he drops down to twenty six hundred. Liz uh, responded, "What is Marks?" as well and wagered ten thousand which doesn't quite cover a double double up from jesse if jesse went all in and got it correct yeah yeah it doesn't quite doesn't quite cover an all in from jesse so she drops down to a thousand so below jesse and johanna tried what is jolson the star of the jazz singer we were looking for warner the warner brothers which once consented, I was like, oh, I see. Yeah. I see, I see the path to the, I just didn't, you know, I, I get it, right? Like, I, I think I often say on the podcast that a good Final Jeopardy question is something you didn't know about some very familiar topic, right? right? We don't like Final Jeopardy responses where it's like, I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Right? We like ones where it's like, oh, I didn't know that about the Warner Brothers, right? We all, yeah. yeah. So, hey, Joanna has wagered 10,001, which is a cover bet. And unfortunately, that means she's going to drop below Jesse. Unfortunately for her, fortunately for Jesse. Right. And so Jesse is our new champion with 2,600. Yep. So on Thursday, we have the contestants Eric Anderson, an operations director from Brooklyn, New York, Rebecca Bailey, a reference librarian from Reading, Massachusetts, and Jesse Matheny, a customer success implementation manager originally from Huntington, Indiana who's one-day cash winning, is $2,600. Jeopardy round categories are Spot the Mammal, Historic Wives, TV Drama, Ready to Wear, Take a Tour, and A blank B blank C blank D. I had a lot of problem with the $1,000 clue. Of ABCD? ABCD. Yeah. If you go this seven-word seven phrase, you've exceeded what your obligations require. Jesse said, what is above and beyond? That's not seven words. Eric said, what is above the call of duty? That's also not seven words, so that doesn't count. They were looking for the combination of that, above and beyond the call of duty, except and has a D in it. Mm. It has a D before the B. And it's like, could... Could you just have? It also has another A. Like I, it, yeah. To me, like I realize ascorbic acid. Ascorbic acid also has, like it. Ascorbic acid has a C before the B, right? Which yeah. seems to me like okay, yes. It technically there is an A and then a B and then a C and then a D, but like, yeah. That's- I don't know. It seemed like a really weak connection to the parameter that the category has established i mean okay so also abracadabra and also alphabetical order oh and also ambulance driver i'll have another a another a right yeah so like as long as we i guess as long as they've said defined the category in a way but yeah but I, i i see i see your objection yeah as long as they've defined the category in a way where the contestants sort of understand the parameters yeah. Or have the opportunity to understand the parameters. But yeah. Yeah, above and beyond the Call of Duty, it has words that start with A, B, C, and D, which then made me think, wait, is that how it's supposed to work? Yeah, but it couldn't be. Yeah, the but it was. Yeah, no, that's not. The, the other ones don't fit. 
with having four words in sequence that start with A, B, C, and D. Yeah. But, yeah. I just felt it was a swing and a miss mm-hmm. there. Yeah. I get that. Triple Stumper in the TV drama at the $800 level. Netflix's Cursed centers on Nim- Nimui? Nimui? Nimue? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. Mm -hmm. A gifted girl destined to become this Arthurian sword giver. Jesse said, what is Excalibur? And I was like, no, it's asking for the sword giver. But the wording of the clue, (laughs) girl destined to become this Arthurian sword giver. You could very easily think like, oh, it's talking about what Arthurian sword. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like it's Excalibur. Like I get I get that miss one. But that's the Lady of the Lake. And as if you've seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You'll remember that women in ponds are not <laughs> appropriate. You know, like I, I don't remember the exact line, but aren't aren't authorities on forms of government? <laughs> yeah, um, I thought Spot the Mammal was fun. They gave mm-hmm. a set of three obscure animals, and you had to figure out which one is a mammal: impala, ibis, indigo. It's impala, impala. Wait, is indigo an a mam an, an animal at all? Oh, it's a beetle, right? Sure. And I think an ibis is a bird, and impala is a kind of antelope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought those were fun. Yeah, I did not too. know what a nutria, nudibranch, or natterjack were, but Rebecca knew she the, knew the nutria. Yes, or she knew the nudibranch and the natterjack and got right. it. You know. Through process uh, of elimination. Yes, which is how I knew the $1,000 level Adder, Amberjack, and AA. I'm pretty sure Amberjack is a fish, and Adder I know is a snake. So I don't know what an AA is, but I know the other two are not mammals, so it's got to be yeah. that. AA. Oh, it's, it's, it, it's a, the AA is a lemur. What's oh, a lemur. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Daily Double number one is in Historic Wives at the $600 level, and Jesse finds it at pick number three. He's at negative 200. Rebecca and Eric are both at zero. Jesse wagers a thousand and gets the clue. Kasturba, who married him when both were under 15, became a leader in India's struggle for independence from British rule. And he gets it correct. It's Gandhi. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Jesse's up to 4,400. Rebecca is at 4,600. Eric is back at zero, having dropped into the red and recovered. And the double jeopardy categories are where the H is that H in quotation marks, a fine wine film tanks for the memories produce. We have names recent literary biography and four letter before and after. So that was combining two, I think typically three letter acronyms that overlap had two letters of overlap. Yep. So the $2,000 level. This report, very important to boss Bill Lumberg in office space, is also a commercial broadcast for the audience's benefit. That is TPSA. The TPS reports are a running plot point bit in, yeah. in office space, a PSA. So, you know, before and after those to get TPSA. Mm-hmm. Like that. I thought that was a fun category. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Jesse knew that there is a city in New Jersey that starts with an H. The mm-hmm. $1,600 clue is one of New Jersey's oldest. This rhymingly named city was founded as New Barbados. And he got in and I think he realized that he he knows that Hoboken 
starts with an H, but it doesn't rhyme. Not but he really. guessed it anyway. Yeah. I mean, I guess hobo sort of. Yeah. Rhymes, but Sometimes Jeopardy takes a pretty loose interpretation of like what counts as rhyming. Sure. Yeah. So it's not a bad guess, but it was Hackensack. Yeah. Rebecca picked up. Mm-hmm. Did Jesse give Martha Washington's maiden name? Because that's a flex. He, he did. Yes. He <laughs> said Martha Custis. And it's like, okay. <laughs> okay, man. Ken filled in that that was indeed Washington. Yeah. I mean, in case anyone was confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, hey, we had Napa Valley and Napa Cabbage on this board. <laughs> we That's a good point. Yes. Yeah. They, they provided Napa at the $2,000 level of produce. We have names. And you needed to name what what Korean crop had a Napa type. But then the fine wine film asked about the storied California Valley where the documentary Decanted is set. It's the yep. Napa Valley. Daily Double number two is down further in that fine wine category. It's at twelve, the $1,200 level. Pick number 12. Jesse finds it. He's at 8400 at this point. Rebecca is at 7400 Eric is at 1600 and he wagers 3000 Gets the clue, this two-word term for disparagement of something you can't have is the title of a 2016 documentary about counterfeit wine. And he has no idea. He guesses what is hoity-toity. Mm-hmm. But it is sour grapes. Sour grapes. And Daily Double number three is in Tanks for the Memories at the $800 level. And Jesse finds this one as well. He's found all three. It's pick number 24. Uh, Jesse's at 4,600. Rebecca's at 7,400. And Eric is at 4,400. And Jesse wagers 2,000 and gets the clue. Built in England in 1916, a prototype of the first operational tank was nicknamed Big Willie in mockery of this man. He doesn't have a guess. He says it's not coming to him. Kaiser Wilhelm Wilhelm is the correct response there. Yes. So at the end of the double jeopardy round, Jesse has dropped off. He's down to 3000. Rebecca's at 9,800. Eric is at 6,800. And we get the final jeopardy category, historic figures. And the clue Dante gives him born to a Kurdish family in the 12th century, a place of honor in limbo, along with the war heroes of Rome and Troy. Jesse wrote who is Virgil, because if it's not a terrible guess for Dante, although the timing is the, the rest of the clue doesn't really point there. But if you're like, I don't really know much about the divine yeah. comedy and I remember Virgil's in there. Better to write something mm-hmm. than nothing. So yep. Jesse wrote who is Virgil, wagered 3000, drops to zero. Eric got it correct with who is Saladin, the mm-hmm. leader of the Seljuk Turks, which... I need to I need to spend some time with the Crusades and figure out all the different terminologies because I think of him as a Saracen, but hmm, I don't know if okay. that's the same group of people or yeah, different. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. But yeah, I I am proud to say I thought of Saladin based on the. Nice. I was like I I also thought like why would he put him there? But whatever, mm-hmm. it yeah. crossed my mind. So yeah, Eric got it correct, and we, we drew only eight hundred, so he goes up to seventy six hundred. And Rebecca wrote, "Who is Genghis Khan?" We know that's incorrect. Made mm-hmm. a cover bet of 3801. So Eric is the winner with 7600. Mm-hmm. And on Friday, we have the contestants Kevin Bell, a trail planner from Silver Spring, Maryland. Catherine Cohen, 
a grad student and museum worker from New York, New York, and Eric Anderson, an operations director from Brooklyn, New York, whose one-day cash winnings total 7600 And the Jeopardy round categories are Inside Job. It looks like it's Inside Job, but it, it was a category about the book of Job. <laughs> I it, When the pun goes my way, I like it. <laughs> it's a cookbook. Sports goats. We discontinued the car. Hold up with holding quotation marks and Kuwait for me. So silly. I did a sermon series about the book of Job way back. Not actually, maybe just maybe just a couple of years ago. So I got most of these, although there was one that really, I mean, connected to Job, but was something else. It was not know? about Job. Not about Job. Uh, that's how. Level. Yep. Mm-hmm. I got that one. Nice. Uh, in, in a, is it Sh- Shalom? I think it's Shalom. Yeah. Shalom. Alaikum. Yeah, that sounds right. Alaikum. Sure. This beleaguered dairyman asks why God never let up on Job for even a moment. That's Tevya. Tevya. The roof. It's either my favorite musical or my second favorite musical. Basically, it's tied with West Side Story. Okay. I love Fiddler on the Roof. It's a very good one. I like that one. (laughs) I was. I was going to I was going to Josh you and ask if the favorite was the music man, but then you told us. No. <laughs> if I, I remember correctly. The music man. Yes, I remember. I remember. Do not think it's a good show. Trouble right here in River City, though. It just it's a it's a great it's I don't know. It just works. <laughs> it, it's great. It's fine. It uh, it's not bad, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I it's just mm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to get into it. Yeah. No, it's fine. I'm not I'm not here to defend the music man. Thank you. Yeah. The $400 level of sports goats. Sadly, this category was not actually about like goats playing sports. <laughs> That's what I wanted, but it was about greatest of all times. The $400 level, they showed a picture and it said he's been called the goat of TV commentary. Eric got it. That's John Madden. Who has called John? I I mean, I guess he's he he was like iconic, but I don't. Yeah. Who's ever called him the greatest of all time? I mean, yeah. there's like. What? There's like Vin Scully. There's like Bob Costas. There's like Howard Cosell. Like. I don't see how, anyway, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. John Madden was like interesting, but I don't know. I would, yeah. that's not the one I would have gone for. Yeah. I, I know several sports <laughs> TV commentators, commentators. I mean, ah. Harry Carey. <laughs> I mean, come on. Bob I, those are okay. certainly all names. <laughs> I have no idea who any of those people are. That's okay. You don't have to. <laughs> most, most, if not all of them are dead. I'm trying to catch uh, up Bob on Costas, sports, but yeah. <laughs> Bob Costas better not be dead. No. Then, I mean, that will be a sad day. Yeah. Daily Double number one is actually just below the John Madden clue in the sports goats category at the $600 level. It's pick number three. So Eric has managed to get himself down to negative 800 at this point. Catherine's mm-hmm. at zero. Kevin's at zero. He wagers a thousand. I guess the clue, he was born March 30th, 1970, in a Virginia stable. 
and he gets it correct with what his secretariat here. He picked up on the clue there <laughs> to know that it was in fact a horse and not just a dude with corn in a stable. There was a different clue this week where the answer was secretariat, but like not the horse. Yeah, it was the UN, like the UN office known as the secretariat. Yes, yes. Thank you. I could not remember like what the what the context was for the non horse secretariat clue. I just remembered that it was there and I thought it was mm-hmm. funny that we had. Two secretariats. Two secretariats. Yeah. I was going to, what, what is and who is secretariat, I guess? I, yeah. I, <laughs> Not I exactly guess. the same correct response necessarily, but yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Eric's at 2,800, Catherine's at 2,400, and Kevin is at 6,800. The double Jeopardy categories are the three-digit years, animated entertainment, a real body busy, literary lions, G is in global, and it's German for. Well, we didn't have the question when you did the deep dive on Australia, but we had it at the $1,600 level of animated entertainment. We've got a bluey question. Bingo is the younger sister to this Australian pup, the title character of a beloved kids show. And Kevin got that. Bluey. bluey. God, bluey's so good. It's so good. We had a tough unfortunate like ruling against in the $800 level of its German four. The clue is boat spelling, please. It's just one letter different. Catherine said, what is boot? And Ken ruled against her. And then she said, what is B O O T, but he had already ruled her incorrect. So Kevin was able to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Daily double number two is in Literary Lions at the $800 level, and Kevin finds it. It's pick number 12. He's at 11600 with Eric at 3200 and Catherine at 8800 He wagers 1000 and he gets the clue. Whenever there is danger, my heart begins to beat fast, says this character in a 1900 book. He, he can't come up with anything. He says he's sorry. He doesn't know. The Cowardly Lion. Is, is what we were looking for here. Yes. And actually, that, that Literary Lions, the only one they got was Aslan at the oh, yeah. $400 level. Yeah, they should have listened to my Colonial Kenya deep dive. Because um, mm-hmm. the $1,200 level, we had many great adventures with lions. Isaac Dennison remembered in this book that is out of Africa. And mm-hmm. it touched on that one there. Yep. Yeah. Daily Double number three is in A Real Body Busy at the $1,200 level. Pick number 27, Catherine finds that she's at 8000 Eric is at 1200 Kevin is at 14200 And she bets 4000 I feel like with only two clues left after this, that's going to take you out of contention anyway. If you get it wrong, I would bet bigger to try and get closer to Kevin, maybe even bet, you know, 6,200 to to tie him. Mm -hmm. She gets a clue. Most of your digestion doesn't take place in the stomach, but rather in this organ that includes the ileum. And she gets a correct with what is the small intestine. So that takes her up to 12,000, but then she has a wrong guess on the next clue at the $1,600 level. Uh, the next one's a triple stumper, and then she has another incorrect guess. They're all triple. They're all triple stumpers. We've got three triple stumpers after after this daily double picks twenty eight, twenty nine, and thirty. And Catherine gives incorrect answers on two of them and ends up dropping back down some. So as we head into Final Jeopardy, 
Kevin's at 14,200 still. Catherine had made it up to 12,000, but has dropped back down now to 8,400. And Eric is at 1,200. And the final Jeopardy category is U.S. landmarks. And the clue is, in April 1975, to symbolize the start of America's bicentennial, President Ford lit a third lantern at this landmark. So this was a triple stumper. Eric was starting to write what is the Washington Monument. That would not have been correct if he had finished, and he wagered all but a dollar. Catherine tried what is Independence Hall with a $6,000 wager, which would have, if she'd been correct, would have gotten her just a little above where Kevin is, but it drops her down to $2,400. And Kevin tried what is Plymouth Rock. That's not correct either with a $2,601 cover bet. That drops him down to $11,599. So he finishes in the lead and gets the win. The Old North Church is what we were looking for. That's where Paul Revere hung his lanterns, you know, one if by mm-hmm. land and two if by sea. That's yeah. that's where they were. I yeah. had a little bit of trouble getting there because I started trying to th- imagine l- locations where, you know, a lantern was hung after, or like right at the beginning, and then another lantern was hung after a hundred years. Mm, right? Yeah. Like I was thinking like, okay, third lantern marks the third century of the, of the country and- um, yeah, I was able to get there mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah, did so. I'm from Massachusetts, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure what is too obscure. It's like th- this the name of the church. Did that feel familiar and accessible to yeah. you? That's a okay. that's a trivia. That's a trivia thing to know. Okay. Yeah, cool. for sure. Yeah, it was familiar and accessible to me, but also like that's that's where I'm from, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. like I've been to church services at the church. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, that is the week. And we'll see Kevin back on Monday. And this is the break in the middle of the episode when we remind you that we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash potentpotables. And if you want to go there and pledge a few bucks a month to help us with the costs of making this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. And we greatly appreciate those of you who do that. We try to remember to put the quiz questions up I forgot the last two times I was supposed to do it, but maybe I'll remember tonight. I also <laughs> forgot last week. Did I forget? I don't even remember if I forgot. All right. We're, we're going to be better about this. In exchange for your several dollars a month, you get the satisfaction of knowing that you are holding up your end of the bargain. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're making a podcast. We're still we are, we that. are, we are. We're, we're making a podcast. We are, we are, we are putting a lot of time and a lot of love into this podcast. But we are not putting a lot of quiz questions into the Patreon. But we're going to turn it around and do better. I hope. I mean, there's nothing stopping us from putting old quiz questions up. I suppose That's next time true. we remember, we could do like two or three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. So that's a that's a great sales pitch for a Patreon. So hope you'll hope you'll consider it. And there are also other things that are uh, worthy recipients of your money. They do a lot more than make a podcast about Jeopardy and post quiz questions. You can find some of the ones that we care about in the show notes. Yeah. So Kyle, do you have deep dive guesses? There were a lot of triple stumpers this week. There were, there were a lot of options. I will tell you, I decided to try to I've had some very long deep dives recently and I decided to try and choose something that would lend itself to a more focused deep dive that does not align 
with what I was going to guess. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything. No, that's okay. I mean, it's going to it's going to change my guesses, but in that case, are you talking about the black hole of Calcutta? I am. Oh my god. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Ooh, it feels that was good. great. Got it in one. That was on my secondary list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So your clue actually was very helpful because I was like Thomas Cromwell or the Trappists or the I, Warner I Brothers. Did, I did consider those were all on my list. And then I was like, let's do the Black Hole of Calcutta. All right. Old, Old That's North exciting. That's on one that list. I wanted to learn about. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're going to learn today. And part of what I found is that some of the details are kind of lost to history. And there's a lot of sort of rumor, legend, myth, sensationalization, but like, you know, bad stuff, certain, we know some about what happened there and it was bad. So the Black Hole of Calcutta, the phrase refers both to the incident that took place there and the place where it happened. The incident that that took place was on June 20th of 1756. The historical details are contested, including the number of fatalities. But what's not contested is that numerous prisoners of war, mostly British, I think. The Jeopardy clue says European, and I came across some accounts indicating that there were other Europeans there, potentially, were held overnight in in one tiny cell. And the majority of them died due to suffocation, heat exhaustion, that kind of thing. So this happened in Fort William. Fort William was built by the British East India Company in Calcutta along the banks of the Hooghly Bakarati River in 1696. It was built with the permission of Mughal Emperor Aurangzeb. Um, and it was named Fort William after King William III, also known as William of Orange. Mm-hmm. The Mughal Empire declined during the 18th century, and by 1717, Bengal was more or less autonomous, ruled by the, the Nawabs of Bengal, is what you call kind of that, that role. In 1756, the Seven Years' War was brewing, and the British East India Company and the French East India Company were both present in in Calcutta. And so in in anticipation of possible battle with the military forces of the French East India Company, the British began to reinforce and fortify Fort William. Meanwhile, in April of 1756, a new Nawab of Bengal had taken that role, succeeding his grandfather, Siraj Uddala, became the Nawab of Bengal. I... <laughs> I came across things saying, you know, oh, he was, you know, impetuous and vindictive and this and that. And I came across other things saying he's been, you know, really maligned by history um, Mm -hmm. and isn't the villain he's been made out to be. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, a new Nawab of Bengal took over in April of 1756, Siraj Dala, who ordered construction to stop that both the British and the French were fortifying their Calcutta locations. And he, he ordered construction to stop for both. The French complied, but the British continued construction. Mm-hmm. And so in response to this, uh, Siraj Udala laid siege to the fort with an enormous army said to have numbered 50,000 people plus elephants and cannons. The fort was in poor repair. That was why they were working on it. 
And it was it was not a good situation. They it fell quickly. The British commander Roger Drake ordered the surviving soldiers of the garrison to escape, but left behind 146 soldiers under the civilian command of John Zephaniah Holwell, who was a senior bureaucrat of the East India Company. The survivors were captured as prisoners of war. And Holwell, who the the guy who was in command, wrote about the events that occurred after the fall of Fort William. He met with Siraj Uddala, who uh, assured him on the word of a soldier that no harm should come to the British. Uh, they surrendered, and following the surrender, Holwell and the other Europeans were placed for the night in the company's local lockup for petty offenders, which was popularly known as the black hole. It's kind of the slang term for it. It was 18 feet long and 14 feet wide. It had two small windows. Holwell's account indicates that 146 people were put into that room. Historians have other perspectives. There are, there are claims that Holwell's numbers were not accurate. I saw the estimate 64 come up 64 people in a in an 18 foot by 14 foot room is still dangerous and you know 23 survived in any case one person gave the estimate that 21 survived Holwell's account of the incident was published it was full of troubling details he talked about the prisoners attempting to bribe the guard to be moved to a larger area to no avail they were told that you know the commander was asleep and shouldn't must not be woken up and would need to approve them being moved he describes the prisoners begging for water, and he says that some water was passed through the bars in hats, but that there were so many people so desperately thirsty that most of the water was spilled in the crush of prisoners trying to get some of the water. And over the course of the night, people, you know, became ill and, you know, suffocated or trampled. You know, most of the people died. Holwell describes that at daybreak, when orders were given for the door to be opened, the it, the door needed to open inward, and so many people had died that the, the door was obstructed by the bodies. Mm. The surviving prisoners inside the room, all of them in very poor condition, needed to move the bodies in order for the door to be opened, uh, which took some time, but they did it, and 23 people, Holwell says, survived the night. After news of Calcutta's capture was received by the British in Madras in August of 1756, Lieutenant Colonel Robert Clive was sent to retaliate against the Nawab, recapturing Calcutta in January 1757 and defeating Siraj Udullah at the Battle of Plassey, which resulted in Siraj being overthrown as Nawab of Bengal and executed. That battle firmly established the British East India Company's control of Bengal with Mir Jafar as the new Nawab. And it's generally seen as the start of company rule in India and the a major step in the development of the British Empire in India. After the Battle of Plassey, the original Fort William was demolished and a new fort, also called Fort William, uh, was erected on a different site. Holwell had a tablet memorializing the victims placed on the site of the black hole to commemorate that tragedy. But at some point, it's not totally clear when that, that tablet disappeared. So a new monument was erected in 1901 at the corner of Dalhousie Square, which is said to be 
the site of the black hole. During the Indian independence movement, Indian nationalist leaders lobbied for the removal of that monument, and it was moved to the graveyard of St. John's Church in Calcutta, which is an Anglican church. And that's that's pretty much, I mean, that's that's what I've got. There's like, you can read, you, you can find the text of the, like the Hallwell account online, which is interesting to look at. I pulled a few details, but I didn't want to like you know, read the whole right. thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, historically, we don't have a ton of reliable information about it. But we do, you know, we know some about it. And uh, hopefully that helps, uh, you know, yeah. give some context for it. Yeah. And that's the big yeah. thing. Like, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I knew it was a prison. Mm-hmm. Now I know about it. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. Hey, it was a short deep dive. Look at it that. It was a short deep dive. How <laughs> Hopefully about not too indeed? short. Some, someday I'll find the exact sweet spot, but I think, you know. <laughs> that is okay. Oh, yep. All right. So, hey, how about a quiz? I'm ready for a quiz. All right. I don't have a particular theme here. Some of it's wordplay connections. Some of it's, yeah. All right. Well, question one. The Black Hole of Calcutta hasn't been the subject of a film, uh, but it, it does come up as a pop culture reference. Often I'll kind of check the pop culture references on, on Wikipedia and find some find some good ones to highlight. But most of, most of the ones about the Black Hole of Calcutta were, you know, just like quips mm-hmm. or like offhanded comments. So in what 1991 film is the Black Hole of Calcutta referenced as a romantic destination along with the Bermuda Triangle and Devil's Island. The characters in this film were created for single-panel comics in 1938, made the jump to television in 1964, and recently had a reboot on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the Adams Family. It is the Adams Family. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. I think that might be where I first heard that the term Black Hole of Calcutta. I, yeah, that's. A, I, I don't think you're alone in that. <laughs> Man, those movies are so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really speak to like... 90s ennui. Yeah. <laughs> so, Gomez like, and Morticia are goals, you know? Like They are. I mean, yeah. look at them. Have you, yeah, be the kind of husband that Gomez is uh-huh, out uh-huh. there. Yeah. All right. Hey, you're at, you're at 20 points. Mm. So if the rest of the quiz is hard, that's, that's okay. I don't have that's to worry okay. about it so much anymore. <laughs> I can't lose the points until the end. Mm-hmm. All right. Question two. So I thought I'd I'd write a prisoners of war question because the people who died in the black hole of Calcutta were were prisoners of war. In subsequent years, standards for the treatment of prisoners of war have been established. According to the third Geneva convention of 1949, prisoners of war have rights to humane treatment, including adequate food, housing, and clothing, and the right to not be compelled to give any information beyond what four identifiers. I typically hear three of them listed as kind of a phrase or an expression. So I'm going to give you two points for each of those three and 10 points if you can come up with all four. So name, rank, and serial number are the three. Mm -hmm. What would be the fourth one? Name, rank, serial number... I, I genuinely don't know. So I, age? Can you birthday? Do more? Yes, there we go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I, I was I was like, oh, do I take eight? Like, you know, do yeah. date date of birth. Okay. Yeah. 
Yep. Interesting. Service number is, I think, how it's phrased in the like the actual like formal oh, it's like serial number. Do, yeah, not serial number, but name, rank, and serial number is how I've always heard it said. So I already was. You yeah, know, like, that's. I mean, my dad who went through like POW yeah. training. That's what he says. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Nice. You are at thirty points. And question three. In 2019, the first photographic image of a black hole was captured. The image, which looks sort of like the Eye of Sauron, was captured by a large array of radio telescopes. The project is called the EHT, which stands for what? The name references the boundary within which the black hole's escape velocity is greater than the speed of light. What does the T stand for? EH is Event Horizon. Event Horizon Telescope, Event Horizon Topography, Event Horizon Time, Event Horizon <laughs> Thing, the project, the name of the project, right? Is what you said? E- yeah, yeah. I think the word, yeah, yeah, okay, yep. Yeah, the, word, the word project, I think, fits this okay. accurate, yeah. I think I, I don't know. I don't, th- I don't think there's any way I'm going to like get to a word. So I'm just going to go with event horizon telescope. That's good. Cause that's correct. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing I was worried that I'd done that messed you up is that I used the word telescope in the clue. I'm not sure how I could have avoided it. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't remember yeah. that. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, the event horizon telescope is this like array, like global array of radio telescopes kind of working collaboratively to to capture this image that's a very 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 large array yes yes okay cool you're at 40 points question four not a black hole but a blue hole is a large marine cavern or sinkhole which is open to the surface and has developed in a bank or island composed of a carbonate carbonate bedrock the one known as the great blue hole is off the coast of what country Tourists visiting this country might, of course, be there to scuba dive, or perhaps to visit the Maya ruins at Caracal. Mm. Mm. Oh, now I don't remember exactly where those ruins are. I mean, Caracal. I don't know. No, I don't. I I don't think I know exactly, like, precisely where that is. Like I've heard of that place, but I don't remember where it is. So I'm just going to go with Mexico. Mm. It's not a bad guess. It's Belize. It's Belize. Yes. I was up there with guesses, but there was, I wasn't going to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pictures of the great blue hole are pretty cool. I can imagine. Yeah. The great blue hole uh, was um, made more famous by Jacques Cousteau, naming it one of the top five scuba diving sites in the world. All right. Well, hey, we're at question five, and you are still at 40 points, which is pretty darn good. So question five, many famous and important individuals were born in Calcutta or called at home, including six Nobel laureates, but I'm not going to ask you about any of them. I'm not going to ask you about perhaps the first, the the most top of mind religious figure. And instead, let's turn to Swami Prabhupada who was born in Calcutta in 1896 and founded what religious movement? This movement is based on Hindu scriptures with a major emphasis on chanting a particular mantra in public places. If you know the name of this 
movement or organization at all, you probably know it by its colloquial name, which is the central mantra of the movement. But I'll give you five bonus points if you know the formal name of the organization. I don't know this off the top of my head. And I'm confident that I don't know the formal name of the organization. But for some reason, Hare Krishna is coming to mind. So that's what I'm going to go with. I am so glad because Hare Krishna is correct. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The Hare Krishna is the, is the great mantra mm-hmm. uh, of that movement, which is formerly, formally known as the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Okay. Yeah. There have been accusations that it's a cult. I'm not going to weigh in. I will, I will note that the founders, the founder has some extremely problematic views. So I don't mean to glorify him. He just founded a, you know, a movement of significance. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you are at 50 points and we're going to call the final category musical instruments. Oh, well. I have to bet it all now. You've challenged me. Yeah. You've thrown down the gauntlet. Uh-huh. All right. For 100 points, if you are correct, there is a piece of equipment used by some instrumentalists that can be colloqui- colloquially referred to as a black hole. Uh, that's, that's how it ties in. A donut or a rock stop. I've chosen terms for this that I think are less obvious than some of the like most literal and straightforward names for this item. What kind of musician would use such an item? What, you know, what, yeah. what instrument would they play? Well, typically that would be for cello. Yes. Or bass. I would take bass also. Yeah. I've got, I've got one sitting like literally to my left right now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. For sure. mm-hmm. yeah. So they, I, an end pin stop, I think, is what I what I generally heard it called. What do you, what yeah. do you call it? I, I, I've always called it a rock stop. Yep, that's um, just what my teachers called them, so that's what I call them. Yeah, I I wasn't sure if rock stop would be familiar, like because I've always heard it like end pin something or like like uh, with with a reference to the to the end pin itself, like like that mm. in the in the phrase end pin thingy <laughs> end pin thingy yeah sure yeah yeah so this is it's the thing that you that you put down on the floor to protect the floor and like you know give yourself some some traction also right like cuz right. the floor can be you know so that you have a so that you have a place to like anchor mm-hmm. i know you know Kyle for the listeners who who are not <laughs> music teachers you know this is the thing that you put down because you're because a cello or a bass has has an end pin that the, needs to that, stay in one place to, while you needs play. to be anchored against the floor, um, which is bad for the floor. And also sometimes the floor is slippery and it doesn't work. So that's what that thing is for. And it's like, a the ones I've seen are like, they're like thick black, like kind of sticky ish foam with like a little dish in the middle, like a little, little yep. metallic. You could know, be. Could be like that. Yeah. The ones that I really like are on straps that attach that like hook around your chair leg. Nice. Yeah. So then you don't have any chance of like slipping away. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, a hundred points. Hundred points. A hundred yeah. points. Nice. Look at that. A hundred points and a and a, a concise, concise deep dive. Deep dive. 
<laughs> we did it. We did it. Everything's We've coming peaked. up millhouse. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this was this was fun. It was fun. Yeah. I hope I hope our listeners had fun too, and I hope you learned something. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating or review if you have a minute to do that. If you want to check out our Patreon, it's Patreon.com/slash/PotentPotables, and. Probably all of your friends watch Jeopardy, I would assume. So you should tell them about our podcast. Yeah. You can all find us on Facebook at Potent Potables, on Twitter at Potent Potables One. Our email address is potentpotablescast at gmail.com, and our website is potentpod.com. And we will be back next week with another week of Jeopardy. So until then, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker. Bye.